flabby texture of the breast. When you pay greater attention to your body and your health, you tend to assess them both more negatively. The tabloids thrive on this stuff, as any quick scan of their headlines prove. They may be ridiculous, but these are extraordinarily popular newspapers, and that should worry you. For many people, if it appears in print, it must be true. These same papers are full of cures and remedies, and they also feed on horrifying exaggerations and distortions. The tabloids are only part of the problem. Mainstream and respectable newspapers often overemphasize the wrong things and underemphasize the right things. It just seems that good medical news is no news. Couple the public's anxiety with the reality that in an MTV-paced rapid-fire world, we feed on constant stimulation. The more outrageous, the better. And to be fair to the human animal, we are, as are most mammals, just plain curious. We in the media feed on that curiosity. The sorry truth is that most of America's health information comes from television. In a 1997 National Health Council poll, more people named television as a primary source of health news than named their doctor. Polls show that the vast majority of the public wants even more media health coverage. That may mean job security for me, but I'm afraid that the demand for more coverage will lead to lower quality and even less accuracy. That said, I was at the start of a healthy trend in television medical reporting, the TV doctor. I began to do radio on KGO in San Francisco in 1978. I was a rare breed in the early days. Now we are many, actual doctors discussing health issues, and it's a good trend in my view. We fill an ever greater public hunger for health news and a consequent need for reporters who know their stuff. With news, you expect a journalistic commitment to accuracy. You cannot and should not expect the same from the showbiz side of television. Talk shows have no obligation, intent, or commitment to get at the truth. And because their power is so great, they are even more dangerous. Their massive audiences often do not understand the difference between the talk show and the news. I don't mind when they do their typical transvestite whales without partners thing. It's trash, but relatively harmless trash. I go nuts when the same talk show titillation technique and production practices are used for serious health subjects. There are countless examples of media whipped up terror based on a distorted reading of science. The fogies out there will remember just a few golden oldies like the Cranberry Scare of 1959, Cyclamates in 1969, Saccharin in 1977, and silicone breast implants in the mid-90s. And this is the short list. Eventually, all were acquitted, but not until the media had scared the bejesus out of the public, often for nothing, and at a cost of millions of dollars to taxpayers and industry. Medical reporting in this country is, for the most part, inept. I have been archiving such examples for years. As I look them over, I find that the common denominator among news writers and anchors is a lack of fundamental scientific knowledge. Even on the basics, the truth is shocking. You want an example? A University of Wisconsin biology professor surveyed the staffs of daily newspapers and found that half of the managing editors believed that humans and dinosaurs walked the planet at the same time. Dinosaurs, in case you're not sure, were gone more than 65 million years before humans came ambling along. Does it seem as if experts keep changing their minds? On some topics they do. That's the nature of science. But they don't do it as much as it seems to you. Inexperienced reporters often have little context for the news they are expected to cover. How can they? And when they give every story equal weight, the coverage is misleading. To spot a trend, you have to know what has gone on before in that particular field. 
At its core, a big part of the problem is the public's fault. We have become scientifically illiterate. And it will get worse as long as our kids lag in science and math. According to a survey by the American Museum of Natural History, only one-fifth of adults scored 60% or better on a simple 20-question test of scientific literacy. We're talking questions like, does the sun go around the earth, or does the earth go around the sun? Which travels faster, light or sound? Sorry, but I'm not done finger-wagging yet. More blame goes your way. The media feeds you junk because you buy it. Have we lost faith in science itself? When the media plays Chicken Little, you're likely to see the sky falling at any moment. In medicine, it's called a nocebo. You know what a placebo is. If you believe something or a substance will make you better, it will. If you believe something will make you sick, it will. That's the nocebo. It's an extremely important concept. Once you understand it, you might be able to lighten up and enjoy life just a little more. Here's an easy illustration of how that works. Researchers studied a group of women who believed that one day they would have a heart attack. Over two decades, they turned out to be almost four times as likely to succumb to cardiovascular illness as those without the belief. Sometimes believing can make it so. Which brings us to the fascinating, sad, and upsetting phenomenon of mass sociogenic illness, or mass psychogenic illness, or group conversion reaction, or as you know it, mass hysteria. This is how the media has made many of you sick. It is a subject that triggers my ugliest, most threatening hate mail. Many of the diseases we are now going to discuss have taken on cult-like status. Patients approach these illnesses with a religious fervor that defies explanation. Sociogenic illness has a long history, dating far back into the Middle Ages. But we have our own modern-day versions. Hundreds of incidents have been reported in this country in recent decades. They are all classic cases of mass sociogenic illness. The characteristics in these cases are almost always identical. A triggering event, stressful situations, rapid spread of the symptoms, no deaths, lack of illness in others who shared the same environment, a preponderance among females, absence of laboratory or physical evidence, similar symptoms, victims positioned to see each other's reactions, and a benign course of the illness. The most common symptoms in all these incidents include dizziness, lightheadedness, hyperventilation, and nausea. I've seen literally dozens of these outbreaks reported over the years by my station alone. You may hate me for saying this, but I'll take the risk. The basic symptoms of breast implant disease, environmental illness, chronic fatigue syndrome, Gulf War syndrome, electromagnetic field syndrome, yeast syndrome, and sick building syndrome are all similar. Altified diagnosis. There are no consistent abnormal laboratory findings. All emerge suddenly with massive and uncritical media coverage. All respond well to cognitive behavioral therapy. Until proved otherwise, the most logical explanation is that they are all variants of somatization or mass sociogenic illness. At the moment, the best evidence out there tells us that these are media-created epidemics. Now let's get down and dirty. This is what you need to know based on my experience in the media and medicine. For this alone, you can be happy you coughed up the dough for this tape. Number one, expert credentials are almost never verified by the media. Degrees can be bought. No one has ever asked to see mine. That should be your warning. And even having an alphabet soup of degrees after a name doesn't necessarily mean credibility. Credentialed people can lie, cheat, steal, and be greedy, as well as the next guy. Number two, beware of the breakthrough. Penicillin was a breakthrough. 
polio vaccine was a breakthrough. Doctors don't talk breakthroughs. News anchors do. True breakthroughs are rare and can only be judged with the passage of time. Number three, major claims require major proof. One study never tells all. Casual investigation doesn't count. Press releases by publicity seekers don't count. Hundreds of experiments by the best scientists and institutions in the business do count. And even then, firm conclusions can be elusive. Number four, two events at the same time do not constitute cause and effect. Most people killed in a car crash ate french fries during the previous week. Nobody would suggest a connection. Get the picture? Finally, number five, some research is better than others. In medical investigation, there is a clearly defined hierarchy in reliability. Laboratory and animal research is lower in relevance than research on humans. Most studies you hear about are either case-controlled, where sick people are compared with healthy people, or cohort studies, where huge numbers of people are observed for many years, their lifestyles and habits carefully charted. Yet even these studies rarely give us the definitive answers we crave. The best we can do is the controlled study, where some subjects get a treatment or a substance and others don't, and the subjects don't know which group they're in. To be fair, an informed media can actually help you with your health, and it does happen. There is a lot you can learn, as long as you pick your resources with care. But in the end, remember that Man Bites Dog is news. In my business, fear is the name of the game, so don't be a sucker. Don't.